Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Legacy, and so for us it's not only uh, the topic that we talk about uh, over this month or so, uh, but it's also a time of year where we share our vision projects for the next 12 months, which uh, Rach has already shared those, uh, which is awesome, and great to be able to celebrate um, the Alfresco area up. So I really want to say a massive thank you to everyone who contributed. You should give yourselves a clap. Everyone who contributed to our Legacy. Uh, over the previous 12 months, uh, a few finishing touches to go, uh, but it's exciting. So here's a little recap of what we've been sharing about the last couple of weeks. So, sorry, it's not like Netflix. So if you have been here, you can't do the skip recap and just get to the new stuff. So you'll just have to put up with me for a second, all right? Um, but week one, we looked at this idea of vision. Okay, so a vision is a, a clear picture of a preferred future. So the Bible says that where there is no prophetic vision, the people perish or they cast off restraint. That is, they do whatever feels good or feels right in the moment and don't live with a bigger picture, a further look ahead in life. And while when we leave a legacy, we impact far beyond our own lifespan on this earth. And that starts with a vision, but it doesn't end there. And so we use this little acronym week one called VIM, so V-I-M, so vision, uh, intention, and method. And so we can have a dream and a goal, a vision of what God has for us or what He's going to do in us, but we have to take steps on that journey. There needs to be an intention, not just a drifting along in life. And then the M stands for method. That is, you actually have to do the stuff. I know, I know. How frustrating. You're like, man, you can just plan it. Doesn't it just happen automatically? No, you have to actually get stuff done. So um, V-I-M, that is VIM. So then last week, uh, week two, we talked about this idea of courage, that leaving a legacy is going to take courage. And just like God um, put courage into, we looked at Joshua Uh, when he was taking on the leadership of the nation of Israel, he said, be courageous twice. And he said, be very courageous once. That's in Joshua chapter one. You can look it up later if you want. Um, But he wants to do the same with us. God wants to fill us with a courage to move beyond just safe living, a courage to risk again when maybe we've been uh, let down or disappointed maybe by people or maybe uh, circumstances didn't, you know, uh, turn out the way that we, that we hoped or imagined God, to, God could do it. But we, want, we need that courage to risk again. And we need courage to lift others up. In a world that wants to just cast aside people as soon as they make mistakes or, you know, sponsors run for the hills and let's cancel this person because they said this or did this. No, God has called us not to, you know, just allow bad behavior or excuse everything, but He has called us to lift others up even when they fail and make mistakes. And so that brings us right here to uh, the third week in our series. And then next week, as Rachel talked about, it's Legacy Sunday. And so I'd love to encourage you to be praying about how you can be a part, as Rach said, those uh, Legacy uh, cards, which are on the back of the seat. No, she wasn't passing it to me. That's right. They're on the back of the seat in front of you. Um, Take them home, fill them out, and 
Ask God, how can I play a part in this? And the next week we'll bring them back and we'll celebrate with thankfulness all that God is going to do through us. And, you know, we give with joy. The Bible talks about this. We don't give grumpily. We don't give going, oh man, I really wanted the new this or the updated this or, you know, I really wanted to, you know, get this thing. No, no, we give with joy. What a great privilege it is to give to God. What a great privilege it is to be generous and to help build His kingdom in this way. And so we're really excited about, about next week and, and, and doing that. Um, but today I want to be sharing about three concepts, three key concepts that are really important when it comes to viewing life with a legacy mindset. Because, you know, we all don't see clearly and we need some adjustment every now and then. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm going to give you my completely, totally unbiased, totally objective opinion? If someone says that to you, you should say to them, no, you're not. You're not. You're not going to give me your completely objective, totally non-biased view because the reality is that we all have a bias. We all have a view. We all have a way that we look at the world which may be shaped by our upbringing, our experiences, the way our brain is wired and you know, many other factors. But you cannot um, give someone your perfectly you know, non-biased opinion at all. There is always some form of bias, but sometimes we're oblivious to those as well. And you know, it was interesting in the mid 20th century, there was an Austrian professor who turned a man's eyesight exactly upside down. After a short time, the man took this completely in his stride. So a guy called Professor uh, Theodore Erisman, which I apologize if you're Austrian, I've probably mispronounced that, of the University of Innsbruck, um, devised this experiment and he performed it upon his assistant, Ivo, um, Ivo sorry, Collar. The professor made Collar wear a pair of hand-engineered goggles. Inside those goggles, there were specially arranged mirrors that flipped uh, the light that would reach his eyes so that top became bottom and that bottom became top. Now at first, uh, Collis stumbled wildly when trying to grasp an object that was held out to him. Uh, he you know, tripped over chairs, he tried to navigate around them or walk downstairs. In a simple fencing game, because obviously they were into fencing, you know, as you do, uh, he, would, he would go to, you know, I'm into fencing, no, I'm not really into fencing, but if you are, come and show me some techniques, I feel like it would be fun. But anyway, he, he, um, in a simple fencing game, um, Collar would raise his stick high when attacked low, and low in response to a high attack. Holding a teacup out to be filled, he would turn the cup upside down. The instant he saw the water apparently pouring upward, the sight of a smoke rising from a match or a helium balloon uh, bobbing on a string could trigger an instant change in his sense of which direction was up and which direction was down. But over the next week, Collar found himself adapting in fits and starts, then more consistently to the glasses that he had. And they say that after 10 days, he had grown so accustomed to the invariably upside down world that paradoxically and happily, everything seemed to him to be normal, right side up. Collar could do everyday activities in public perfectly well, walk along a crowded um, sidewalk, um, even ride a bicycle. So Erisman, his professor and himself, they did some further experiments 
and so did other scientists. And their impression is that many, perhaps most, maybe just about all people are able to make uh, these kinds of adjustments. So if images reach the eye in some peculiar fashion, if that peculiar fashion is consistent, a person's visual system will eventually somehow adjust to interpret it, to perceive it, to see it as being no different from normal. So Collar writes that after several weeks of wearing goggles that transposed right and left, one person became so at home in this reversed world that he was able to drive a motorcycle through Innsbruck while wearing the goggles. Wow, it's just, just amazing. I mean, some of you are thinking, I've seen some of the drivers around my place. Perhaps they're wearing those goggles and still, you know, adapting to it at the moment. But you know what? In much the same way, we can view things like money, possessions, our place in the world, what we do in life in a similar fashion. Because we have only seen it a certain way or because our upbringing spoke to us about lack or our upbringing spoke to us that money and achievement was the goal. We view the world through these goggles thinking that that is normal, thinking that that is God's way, but God God wants us to view life with a different outlook. And so today we're gonna do a little bit of a sight check to determine our view, and we're gonna, we're gonna take three points of reference to, to check our sight, to, to check the goggles that we're wearing, to make sure they haven't flipped left to right or flipped top to bottom, because we want to live in a way that God has called us to live. And so these three, um, uh, these three points, these three uh, parts of uh, key reference points, they actually come from our current life group series on simplicity. Simplicity, living, living a life that centers around focusing on Christ, prioritizing what we have and what God would, how God would have us use it. It just feeds into this whole uh, topic of legacy so well. It's like someone planned it. I know, amazing, amazing. But it encourages us to prioritize God and Him first. And so the things of this world we know are short, are temporary, they perish, but the things of the kingdom of God are eternal. They live on past our own lifespan. They make a difference in eternity. So first point number one is this, how we're gonna check our reference, our sight. We're gonna use this as a reference, this statement. What I have is a gift from God. What I have is a gift from God. How does that statement line up with how you are viewing the world at the moment? The goggles that you are looking through. Are they looking through understanding that what I have is a gift from God? Um, it, was, it happened to be uh, my birthday this week, uh, one, away from the, one away from the big four zero. Rachel even gave me a card that was 40 minus one card. Thank you very much for that reminder, babe. Love it. And uh, I'm not just doing a plug now for people to give me presents, but one of the gifts that I received was, was this watch from my wonderful family. I didn't ask for it. I didn't really do anything to deserve it besides being born, which I didn't really have anything to do with, you know, just sort of rocked up and, you know, I was, I, I was there. But how do you view what you have in life? Do you view it as a gift? What I have is a gift. Now, this is applicable to our possessions, to our money, where we live, the place that you work or study, your family, your friends, the gifts, abilities, and talents that you have been given. How did you come by those things? 
Now, for most of us, our automatic response is, well, you know, they're, they're mine. It, it was funny, last night, as we were getting ready for bed, my, um, uh, another present I got so from, my, um, from my brother and his family was a, was a chocker quokka. So, so uh, we had relatives over who went to Rottnest during the week, and it's the, have you seen them? And it's like the Margaret River chocolate. It's like pretty, pretty big, and it's in the shape of a quokka. And, um, and anyway, so I was going, and Rachel's like, oh, I'm like, oh, my quokka's there. She's like, yeah, it's yummy. I'm like, what? What? Hold up. She's like, oh, yeah, we've been eating it. I'm like, I haven't even eaten it yet. She's like, oh, sorry. And then I'm like, oh, man, I just finished, like, the third point, which sort of, spoiler alert, which is what you have is available for others. So I couldn't complain too much about them eating my chocker quokka. But, you know, what you have, how did you come by those things? Everything, I worked hard, I studied, I was nice to people, and so that's why I have friends. I had smooth pickup lines, and, you know, that's how I got my wife. Uh, I think I've shared this before, but... My smooth pickup line to Rachel when we were talking over the phone, we'd met at a church conference. Note to uh, single people, church conferences are great for, uh, can I get an amen from a few people? Anyway, for finding, um, finding a husband or wife. But, uh, and I asked if I could uh, come up and visit her because she lived about two and a half hours away. And she was obviously like, okay, why? This is more than just a friendship. And, um, and I had this really smooth pickup line. I said this, I said, because I think you're cool. <laughs> so so was, it, was it what I achieved? Was it my amazing smooth talk? Or did God have something to do with placing us together? So in your life, do you view what you have as a gift? Maybe Israel, so that's God's nation, God's people in the Old Testament, we're having the kind of thoughts that we often have about how much we've done or achieved or how we've made a way for ourselves. Because he reminds them in Deuteronomy 8, verses 18, he says this, Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives, uh, who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Yes, we play a part in being good stewards of what God has given us, but ultimately, everything comes from God. It is He who gives us the power. We still need to apply the power in just the same way that we could sit in a sports car, we could sit in like a Porsche Carrera or like whatever, whatever your sports car of choice is, and it has all the power, it has all the speed there ready to go, but just sitting in it we, we need to do more than just sitting there. That doesn't give us access to the power. We have to turn on the ignition. We have to operate the clutch. We have to put the accelerator down to access the power and the speed. And it's the same in life. There is a partnership between us and between God. But at our core, do we view life through a lens of what I have is a gift from God? Or do we think we're self-made? Or maybe do we look at what we have in disappointment or in dread, comparing to others, wishing there was more? Or do we view things as a gift? Uh, I was thinking about this whole concept a few weeks ago and how it applies right across our lives to every opportunity, every time, every activity that we do. And, and, and particularly when I was 
uh, when I was doing something in our family life, and now I'm slightly having to adjust this story because we're having a small child who didn't want to go into kids, and so I'm about to tell a story about him, but I'm going to do it in code so he doesn't notice, all right? So, you with me? No, <laughs> he's smiling at me. But I, I remember I was doing, doing something for them involved in, involved in our soccer team that we coach, and we're going to training, and I was thinking, okay, great, it's training again. I'm so excited about going to training and, and training. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. And then I remembered, wait up, I can view this one way, or I can view it as a gift. I can view it as a gift. What a great joy and gift that I get this time. What a great joy and gift that I have flexibility of hours in work and available and have you know, some skills to coach six-year-olds and to also look at six-year-old soccer drills on YouTube. You know, well, what a great gift to be able to do that. Ben says I'm allowed to coach him until he's 10 and then he's moving on to, you know, like bigger and better things. Oh, no, seven, sorry, seven. Eight. Thanks, mate. It's amazing what happens when we view things with a different mindset. It's amazing the internal change I found for myself as I approached that situation with the understanding that this is a gift. So the first uh, reference point to check, checking our sight, checking our vision this morning when it comes to having a legacy mindset is what I have is a gift from God. How, How does that line up with your sight this morning? Number two is this, what I have is cared for by God. So what I have is a gift from God, but not only that, what I have is cared for by God. The second flows from the first. If what I have is a gift from Him, then surely God is going to care for it. Now, once again, like last week when we're talking about going beyond safe, that doesn't mean that we throw wisdom out the window. We still take the normal precautions like locking our doors and taking out insurance. But as I said, it's about a partnership. And the Bible describes it this way really powerfully in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Can you see the partnership there? So the builders still work and the sentries still guard the city, but it's, uh, it's undermined by a knowledge that ultimately it's God who's in control. Verse two there shows us what happens when we don't live out of this reality that what we have is cared for by God. It says that we'll work hard, but it will be useless, early till late, filled with anxiety. But on the flip side, God gives rest to His loved ones, those who hear His voice and live their lives at His pace and His rhythm, understanding that everything that we have not only is a gift from God, but it's also cared for by God. All our hard work, um, so when we live in this reality that we have, that what we have is cared for by God, that, sorry, when we live in a reality that what we, if we are worried about and don't think that God cares for what we have, it makes it difficult to leave a legacy because we're always holding on to things so tightly. We're fearful, we're worried, we're afraid that it could be gone in a flash. 
all that hard work undone out the window. But there is rest found in those that trust God to care for things. They still play their part. They still lock the doors. They still go to work. They still do all the things that need to be done. But flowing like a life-giving stream under all that is this knowledge that what I have is cared for by God, that He will never leave us and never forsake us. Will tough times, will trials come? Absolutely yes. Not, not even maybe. Sorry, no sugarcoating. Not even maybe. Will tough times come? Absolutely yes. The Bible's very clear. If they haven't come already, they're coming. <laughs> Such an encouraging word this morning. But Romans says this, Romans 5, 3 to 5, says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Doesn't always feel like it in the moment, but as we trust God, they do. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Whatever you are facing today, I want to tell you that what you have will be cared for by God. He has the master plan. He knows how everything fits together and we trust Him. So our first sight check, I mean, we're checking our eyes, making sure our goggles are straight ahead, not cross-eyed left and right or, or upside down. Our, our first check is the statement that what we have is a gift from God. The second check is that what we have will be cared for by God. And then the third check, maybe as the band just comes and joins me, because we're about to wrap up, is what we have is available to others. So what we have is a gift from God. What we have will be cared for by God. And what we have is available to others. Once again, the third flows out of the first and out of the second. If what I have is a gift from God, then ultimately, He's going to care for it. And then if what I have is from God and He's caring for it, then what barrier would there be to my possessions, my money, my time, my gifts, my talents being available to others? And now don't get worried, we're not about to buy a property, a special farm, start a commune and then wait for the aliens to come down and take us to their supreme leader area, anything, anything like that. Okay, but do you hold so tightly to the things that you have that there's no way they could ever be available to someone else? You see, to create a legacy, there has to be, a, there has to be generous decisions that are consistently made in our everyday lives. In an increasingly self-obsessed world, God calls us to live others-focused, not self-focused. And there's actually freedom that's found when we live with an attitude that makes our resources available to others. You see, often I feel like we, we cling to what we have rather than sharing because we're anxious about tomorrow. But Jesus calls us to live differently. In Matthew chapter 6, we're about to read a portion in a second, but in earlier in the chapter, Jesus has just finished teaching about storing up eternal treasure in heaven, about not being sucked into thinking that the things of this world are everything. Then He continues, this is Matthew 6, 25 to 34. He says, Therefore, I tell you, 
Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, I love this line, by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more, uh, sorry, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Come on, such a powerful Scripture just to, to read through, to meditate on, to go, you know what, I'm gonna seek God's kingdom first. I'm not going to hold tightly to things in fear or worry about losing what I have, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to make what I have available to others.